1: Real Radio is AD on the radio
0: Today on the show A former
2: Green Beret And professional football player Penned an open letter To Trump Kaepernick And all of us in America It's a letter about unity That we all need to read Video surfaced of Courtney Love making a crack about Harvey Weinstein taking advantage of young actresses in 2005, and Kate Winslet said she intentionally didn't thank him when she won an Oscar in 2009. Plus, Funkhauser is excited to eat fast food venison. Fast food venison? Oh, dear. I see what you did there. Very clever. (laughs)
1: to the future, where the glass is half full and you'll need new glasses, where you'll be jumping from conclusions. The past is a and a new future is born. Never before in history has so much meant so little to so many. A.D. on the radio.
2: So I don't know at what point I realized it, and I don't know if you've realized it yet or if it's really, truly sunk in, but the days, of, the days of doing anything productive, if you're a politician or a member of the media for that matter, the days of doing anything productive with regard to unity, the days of getting any mileage out of unity, that's over and done with. And I don't know if Google or Facebook or any of the above are to blame. I don't know if, if it's the digitization of our society that makes division such a profitable thing for folks. But I do know that in many ways it is absolutely destroying us. You and I have talked about this before. Politicians seek out what they think, what they think are the dumbest and most frightened people. The dumbest and most frightened in the mind of a politician, that's an easy vote. The right and the left panders to the most pliable in society. Both with the same approach. Find people who are without, tell them the other side, and this is where the division comes in, tell them the other side took what you're missing from you, and I'm going to help you get it back. They took something from you, you need to be afraid of them, fortunately you've got me to fight your fight, therefore I'm going to need for you to... uh, Help with the campaign finance department so I can get what you're owed. You're owed something. You're not getting something. Something's been taken from you. I'm going to help you get it back. You're a great person with great potential. And the only reason you're not living up to to all of it is the political opposition in this country. And therefore, you need me to help you get it back. So I'm going to need a small donation. I'm going to need your vote. And that's... That's how this political sausage is made in this country in 2017. And I don't think it was always that way. And I don't think it was always that way this much. But it is now. And that's a freaking shame. Because that gets us nowhere. And it's funny, it's funny. Politicians on both sides will say, we need to be united. We need to come together as one people. And then say and do the most divisive stuff. And this is not unique to the left or the right. It's just how things are done in 2017. And because it's how things are done, it's because this is how the commerce of politics, this is how the commerce of media and politics is conducted in this day and age. It's because of that that you, me, we got to be a little bit better. We have to be a lot better. It's down to people like you, down to people like me, down to people like former Green Beret and Seattle Seahawks long snapper Nate Boyer. Did you catch this? He wrote an open letter on Friday. He wrote an open letter to Donald Trump. He wrote an open letter to former San Francisco 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. And he wrote about the issue of unity in the United States. And he's sort of in a unique position. I don't know how many other former Green Berets are professional football players or have been professional football players for teams like the Seahawks. But it does kind of give him an up close and personal perspective on the whole situation. And I don't often do this. But I read his letter And I found myself more or less agreeing with every last word. So, I want you to think about what unity means to you. Think about what strength means to you. Think about the weight it would take off of your mind. Think about what it would do for your family, your interpersonal relationships. Maybe you feel divisions among your family around the dinner table. Maybe you can't get along with your son or your father. Maybe you can't get along with your next door neighbor. Maybe you can't get along with the people in your town. Think what it would do for your peace of mind. Think what it would do for the good of all of us if suddenly you felt united and like you didn't have to fight your neighbor or your relative over a vote. And we'll get into the letter next. It's important. I want you to listen. Show. the show. the
0: show. Real radio radio, radio, radio.
1: radio. 104.1. Where the left and right come together for fundamental truths. A.D. on the radio. On Twitter at A.D.S.X.E. <laughs> do what I want
2: So like I was saying earlier, I want you to think about what unity could mean for you. Those divides that you feel. Maybe around the dinner table. Between father and daughter. Son and mother. Brother. Uncle. Those awkward conversations that you steer away from because I can't talk politics. Can't talk politics on Sunday. We're supposed to be then. Yeah, but uncle so-and-so thinks this, and dad thinks that, and we just need to hope that nobody brings any of that up. Think what it would do to have a sense of unity everywhere you went in life, everywhere from around the dinner table to the relationships you had with the people that you met when you walked out your front door, your neighbors, your co-workers. Think what it would do to not only respect the people around you, but to feel respected by them. Think how that would change how you went for went through your day. How often do you think about politics in 2017 during any given day? Phenomenally high number of times that this crosses your mind, I'm sure. It didn't used to be that way. But it is now. And like I said, the politicians and the complicit media get too much mileage, make too much money off of division to prevent themselves from suckling at its teat. So it falls to you and me to do something about it, to change our way of thinking, regardless of whether we fall on the right or the left. Of our political situation. So this is why I wanted to read this letter. Former Green Beret and Seattle Seahawks long snapper Nate Boyer wrote an open letter Friday addressing President Donald Trump, Colin Kaepernick and all of us over the issue of unity. He writes, dear every single American. Every single American, including President Trump, Colin Kaepernick and my brothers in arms overseas who are wondering what the hell is going on back there. I'm sitting in the same chair in the same apartment that I sat in almost a year ago when I wrote an open letter to Colin Kaepernick. I was hurt when I saw him sitting on the bench during the national anthem, but I'm much more hurt now, not by him, not by where we're at now with the protests, but by us. Simply put, it seems like we just hate each other. And that is far more painful to me than any protest or demonstration or rally or tweet. We're told to pick a side. There's a line drawn in the sand. Are you with us or against us? It's just not who we are, or at least who we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be better than that. We're Americans. This doesn't have to be. This doesn't seem to be about right or wrong, but more about right or left. We see it in sports every day. We live and die by the outcomes of our teams. That desire to win at all cost is costing us greatly now among our neighbors. This winning mentality seems to have spilled over into an obsession with being right and not willing to admit that maybe, just maybe, we were wrong. We repeat mantras to ourselves like, no matter what, I will never ever surrender. Earlier this week, I sat down with a group of five combat arms and special operations veterans. The roundtable discussed our individual feelings on the flag, the anthem, and the players who knelt when it was played. We all had very different takes, but what surprised me most at the end of the discussion was that we all agreed on one thing. Colin Kaepernick and President Trump should be the ones uniting our country together. Wait, what? I know it sounds crazy, but maybe that's exactly what we need to see. Maybe that's how we start to heal. Two men sit in a room and talk. Simple as that. Now, I don't pretend to speak for everyone who fought overseas. Many veterans rightfully disagree with my position. But I do feel that I echo the sentiments of most warfighters when I say that we hope for more than anything right now in America is unity. And this is important. Please listen to this part. To deploy overseas, train, live with, fight alongside, and ultimately defend foreigners that you have little in common with is truly a challenging task. But returning home to a country that is so divided, so judgmental, and so hateful of one another is almost as difficult to deal with as burying a fallen comrade. In fact, we're still losing our brothers-in-arms overseas right now, and it's hardly mentioned in the media, but that's okay. We don't risk our lives and sacrifice so much for fanfare or recognition. It's not at all why we do what we do. We do what we do because you are worth it because we love you. I would love for those two leaders to have that conversation, but more than anything, I just want us to love one another again. One great thing about freedom is that you get to choose every day how you treat your neighbor. This is the best country in the world. But we can always do better. I'm laying it all out there because I have to. I swore to defend this land and its people and I will die trying. I know some people will hate this. We love to hate things these days. I'll get called a disgrace to the Green Berets once again. But I don't care. The United States means more to me than any of that.
1: For more stimulation and less irritation, 9 out of 10 doctors choose KPRC, AM 950. Houston's more stimulating talk radio. Don't get the blues, get all the news. We mean all of yous. Guys out there in radio land. All aboard! He's back. A.D. on the radio.
2: Give it up, yeah, So we're reading a letter, an open letter to America, to President Trump, to to Colin Kaepernick, to all of us. From Nate Boyer, former Green Beret and Seattle Seahawks long snapper. There's one part, and we'll, we'll finish it off in a second here, but there's one part that I wanted to repeat because it's so important. He said, to deploy overseas, train, live with, fight alongside, and ultimately defend foreigners that you have little in common with is a truly challenging task. And this is the important part. But returning home to a country that is so divided, so judgmental, and so hateful of one another is almost as difficult to deal with as burying a fallen comrade. From a Green Beret, watching us in America be divided and hateful of one another is as tough as burying a fallen comrade. If you take one thing from this today, take that off into your day. Anyways, he went on to say, Over the past year, I've come across veterans from various walks of life. We may actually be the most diverse subculture in America. Since I myself am a Green Beret, I wanted to share with you a couple of messages that were sent to me from men in my former unit. One of them is white, and one of them is black. Hey brother, at first I was with you. However, I just stood in formation while one of our brothers was pulled off a plane with our nation's flag draped over the coffin. I had to fight back tears as I saw the pain in the eyes of Staff Sergeant T's wife and family. While I would like to sit here and tell you that I rose above it all, I have to be honest, my heart filled with rage. Rage for anyone who takes for granted the ideals ideals and symbols that we fight and die for. And then another message he got. Hey brother, this is Jay. I spent nearly 18 years in the 10th Special Forces Group, and I wish I had an opportunity to meet a brother like yourself. I just wanted to say I appreciate your views on this national anthem and flag issue. I love our country, but at the same time, I have to take the time to tell my sons to act a certain way out of fear for their lives when dealing with police officers. Most of my neighbors and friends here in Maryland are law enforcement personnel, and I will tell you, they also have to act a certain way to avoid confrontation in situations that normally don't occur for those that are not of color. Not all officers are bad. The majority, I believe, are good, and poor training is attributed to some of these issues we hear of. I really just want to thank you for taking your time to understand And convincing Colin Kaepernick to take a knee and not sit out on what we have fought for. God bless you, bro. Different backgrounds, different experiences, different colors, but at the end of the day, they just want the same basic things for their families. So please, no more lines in the sand, not at home, not among our people. No more choosing sides, no more for or against. I believe our veterans will be called upon to lead the way in healing the world and solving its problems. Right now, our country needs that more than I can remember. So I'll be here, standing in the radical middle, doing what I can to continue fighting for those that can't fight for themselves. Let's get this thing fixed together, you and me. I love you all with all my heart. Nate Boyer And he signs it, De Oppresso Liber. Which is, in case you didn't know, the motto of the United States Army Special Forces. A phrase that is Latin for to liberate the oppressed. See, this is the type of thinking that you, me, all of us, we need to adopt. And it's got to come from you and me because it won't come from our politicians. The American people have to get this done. Politicians, the media, the pundits, our so-called leaders, they get way more mileage out of us being divided. Neither the left nor the right are above it as much as they claim to be, as much as both political parties or whatever fringe group has the floor at the time, as much as they purport to be superior and right-thinking and evolved, and that they want us to be united. None of them None of them are above the dirty, cheap thrill of getting mileage off of telling you that your fellow Americans suck. They're evil because they voted differently than you. They hate you, and they hate America. How many times do you feel like that sort of divisive speech has been integral? In getting the job done. Both sides do it over and over again. When Hillary called Trump supporters a basket of deplorables. Whoa. That was a big part of her. Losing her last remaining shot at winning. How are you going to appeal to. The decency in all of us. If you're willing to completely chastise. And demean and reduce. Half of the country. It's unreal, but it's par for the course. Like I said, this is how the political sausage is made in 2017. Politicians seek out what they think are the dumbest and most frightened people, and then they pander to them. Easy votes. Pliable minority of voters, the right and the left, both have the same approach. Find people who are without. Tell them the other side took it, whatever it is from you, and I'm going to help you get it back. You and me, we get nothing out of the division. Every time we let a politician make us angry at our neighbor, make us angry at our family member, we're just feeding their disgusting machine of division. And we have to be better. Where there is unity, there is always victory. Publilius Cyrus. All right, Funkhauser. uh, There's been some new developments with the Harvey Weinstein thing, which maybe we should talk about a little later on in the show. But right now, though, let's take a look at the events of today. What's going on in the news?
1: This is My Witness News. In no way, shape, or form fair and certainly not balanced. And now, super producer to the stars, Barry I have
3: misplaced my cup of coffee. If anyone has seen it, contact
2: me immediately. Um, what happened with, uh, the Harv? The Harv? Oh, there's just, you know, new developments. I don't know if you saw it or not, but, uh, Kate Winslet, um... Said like, yeah, I, I totally called him out for that years ago. Uh, Courtney Love said she called him out years ago, and it got it got her dropped from. Oh her yeah, I saw that video CAA. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. We'll we'll get into all that a little later on. I mean, it's just like it's mind numbing how much of Hollywood was complicit in this thing. And look, it really speaks to it speaks to how we look. And and there's so many people like I knew Hollywood was a, a cesspool of 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 I knew it was morally the most turgid of all segments of our society, Hollywood, California and their entertainment business. And good thing things like aren't like that here where I live today. But here's the thing. I think it's so important that we take a look at what was going on with Harvey Weinstein for so long because it doesn't have to be Hollywood. It could be any area of society or life. And situations that will mirror this will play out. People get away with just horrible things for far too long because uh, people that people are unwilling to speak up and those that do speak up are punished for it. And that is why it bears a closer look. Like I said, a lot of people too willing to dismiss Hollywood as just this morally inept cesspool of sin and degradation. And of course that happened in Hollywood, but... As much as people are vultures from the sidelines wanting to look on and see what is going on with this situation, the important takeaway from the Harvey Weinstein thing is this sort of thing happens every day in all sort of different segments of society to so many different people. And, well, there's something, like I said, to learn from it that we can apply to the town that we live in. It's not all Hollywood all the time. In fact, like I said, the things that happen or the things that happened with Harvey Weinstein are all too commonplace in everyday life and we often turn a blind eye to them or we just don't see them or the people who are willing to say something are treated in a punitive manner and that's not okay. Anyways, that's for later on in the show. What is going on, oh, okay. Uh
3: Usher turned 39.
2: Mm. Remember when it was just his music that was infectious? <laughs> uh, if you're looking for a gift, you can't go wrong with a box of condoms. It's a... Uh, what is it like? Two? Is it more than fifty percent? One out of three? Two out of two out of four? Two? Out, like more than half of us supposedly have HPV now? Is that the case, Hauser? Like something like that? There's I think some so. statistic. And Usher has been saying like, hey, you know, in in 2017, you kind of when you get with someone sexually, this is this is your own risk that you're taking. And uh, the the brouhaha is the fact that he maybe didn't disclose that he had HPV to different partners, and and for that reason, he's taken a lot of heat. And he was like, everybody has this, <laughs> like this is this is a really common thing. That that's a you problem, not a me problem. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one to be sure. Mm. Um, I think uh, a big part of the reason. <clears throat> big part of the reason why I haven't gotten that much action <laughs> as an adult, like bear in mind, I was a kid. I was a teenager with a tour bus. I could have gotten sweet love in left, right and center for large portions of my life. And I, I just haven't, I've been very selective for a number of different reasons. Not least of which is I'm petrified of diseases. Like I, I just, I I've, uh, I've been tested more times than I can even remember. And I think one of the, uh, one of the takeaways from that is g- get tested. Getting tested will scare you. <laughs> it's, uh, you ever you ever had a urethral swab funk Oh, I can't wait for one of those. Oh my gosh, I remember like the first time I got tested. I had the urethral swab and without like going into That's gory details That's the coolest metal band much, name ever, by the way. Urethral swab. We are uh, yeah. We are Urethral Swab. Thank you to a legible font for opening up on the bill. Um, <clears throat> but it's like this, it's it's basically a big metal Q-tip that is used to swab the inside of your business. Uh, am I uh, being clear, Funkhauser?
3: I think you were clear before, but okay. Mm-hmm.
2: And I'll never forget, I'll never forget the woman going, well, me saying to the woman as she was like, it's time for your urethral swab. I was like, will this hurt? And she was like, yep. How? And boy, did it ever. The, uh th- that put me off. <laughs> the, the whole sort of like the whole fear that goes along with being tested um, is a healthy thing to embrace because it's a good reminder of how things are likely to be in uh, 2017 and how they have been for years and years. But going through a little bit of pain and humiliation with regard to all that, I think is a healthy thing. I think I think those tests should be painful and humiliating. You take so you the good
3: and you take the bad.
2: Yeah, you, I, I think the the pain and humiliation that go with the uh, go with the testing after every sexual partner and hopefully before every sexual partner for everybody. I think those things are good because you don't walk out of that place feeling like Don freaking Juan, the master swordsman. You go out, <laughs> you leave the place going, I need to really think about my actions. And I think that's a good thing.
3: Uh, Dawson's Creek star. James Vanderbeek says his ass was groped by a male studio executive.
2: Oh, someone grabbed a handful of Dawson's cheek. <laughs> uh, one more.
3: Uh, Jennifer Garner is starring in a new movie where she plays the wife of a cheating husband.
2: Hmm. hmm. Surprisingly, not a documentary. <laughs> she uh, she prepared for the role by being married to Ben Affleck. Done. You're longing for that shining sun. You walk these streets most every day. You're waiting to get washed away. radio. Real radio. One
1: oh four point one. AD on the radio.
2: So videos surfaced of Courtney Love making a crack about Harvey Weinstein taking advantage of young actresses in 2005. And Kate Winslet said she intentionally didn't thank him when she won her Oscar in 2009. We'll get into all of that a little bit later on. And like I said, the important part is the learning experience we take from the Harvey Weinstein situation into our daily lives, into our towns, into our workplaces, into our cognizance. Because like I said, there's this, there's this voyeur aspect to what's going on with Harvey Weinstein at the moment where people like to look at it and go that's Hollywood that's so different look at that festering cesspool of sin and immorality but sadly the lessons that we learn from the Harvey Weinstein situation playing out of sexual predators in positions of power taking advantage of people and then people being treated punitively when they try and speak up about it sadly that applies so much more to our daily lives than we'd like to think. It's not just looking at Hollywood and going, this is an us and them situation. So we'll get into that a little later on. What else is going on in the world, Funkhauser?
3: Well, 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 well. This artist has a birthday. He's turning 76 today.
2: Oh, you know what this instrument is called that comes in right here? What? Funkhouser? It's Ooh, called a Quica. Yeah. What is it? Cuica. A she <laughs>
1: ran.
2: Yeah, he has a birthday. Guess how old? Uh, I think Paul Simon's like... So I saw Paul Simon play a couple of years ago, and at the time he was like 74, I think, because I remember like... Pulling out my phone, going, boy, he sure does dance around a lot. Um, the, how old is he these days? Seventy-six. That's impressive Your how much math he moves. works yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, he's seventy-six, which means these days when he wants the sound of silence, he just turns off his hearing aid. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, oh my gosh, I forgot to tell you. You know who I saw on Friday night? Who? That is also a little long in the tooth. What? Might be seventy-six or seventy-seven. Meh. Saw Bob Dylan play. Oh, where? Like outside or inside. Yeah, it's on play inside. Inside. Sitting down or standing up? And like, uh, was I sitting down? Oh, no. I was. He he played the piano. And during the times where he was playing the piano, he was sitting down and then he stood up for a lot of other stuff. But like, he's, I think, probably around the same age as Paul Simon, like mid to late 70s. And when he's standing up, when he's standing up holding the microphone, He still looks like he could kick your ass like he's a cantankerous dude and uh, he seems cranky. And like he um, like if you got on stage, you ever see that footage of uh, you ever see that footage of uh, some fan jumping on stage at a Rolling Stones concert without even thinking about it? You know, like you would think some. Singers or some guitar players would stop, put their put their arm around the person that got on and wait for security to usher them off the stage. Not Keith Richards takes his like Stratocaster off, whacks a guy over the head with it. He's like, hey, man, you don't know what that guy's got on his mind. He got on stage. he's not supposed to be here. And got to defend yourself just in case you don't know. But like, yeah, Bob Dylan looks like he could still kick your ass, which is an interesting one. But it was so funny because like Bob Dylan, I think Bob Dylan, in case you didn't know, still plays like a hundred shows a year. Like he lives his life on the road. I think he had this like girlfriend that he had a baby with. I think he's got a couple of those. Um, And uh, (laughs) I think they wanted like she asked him, like, can we move in together? And he was like, no. And she was like, why not? He's like, baby, I can barely live with myself. (laughs) And um, I think that's part of the reason why he spends so much time on the road. It's sort of like an escape from any kind of real life. He tours incessantly. That's just his life and how he does things. But it's it's funny. I was sitting next to this guy who was like, is he going to play any classics? <laughs> like he was playing all these songs. He played Autumn Leaves, the jazz standard. And it was it was actually great. It was really, really cool. He, he, uh, but he worked his way through a set that had almost nothing in it that, you know, sort of the casual fan would recognize. And um, and this guy looks over at me and he's like, is he going to play any any classics? I was like, he's just he's playing blowing on the Wind' and blowing in the wind right now. He's like, is that what that is? I was like, yeah. And he plays his songs that in a way that are it's so completely different from how you got to know them that I think half the audience loves it because they've been to 100 Bob Dylan shows and they want to see something a little different. They can't you know, be through the same go through the same thing every single time. And then half the audience um, is like, what the hell, man? What did I just pay for? It's an interesting one. And you know what I could tell uh, from uh, looking at Bob Dylan on stage? He doesn't care. I don't think the guy said a single word to the audience, just came out and started playing, and that was it. (laughs) And apparently he's like, he doesn't see or talk to his band until like a second before he goes on stage. Like, he's like... He's, he's this reclusive, old, cantankerous artist that everybody loves. It's a weird, weird thing. And I think that was my takeaway from seeing Bob Dylan. I'd never seen him before, but you really got a sense of who he was and how he went through life just by watching him for an hour on stage. And maybe that's one of the things that makes him so compelling.
3: Yep. Yes, I agree with that. I saw him at the Mid-State Fair a while uh, ago. during good? During the Sunset. Everyone was standing on chairs, and he was sitting on one. And, uh, yeah, it was one of the best. Even though I didn't recognize
2: many of the songs, uh, we all had a good time. Mm-hmm. Like, it really surprised me how strong his voice was. Because, like, Bob Dylan's voice is often maligned. You know, like, he's got a very specific thing. And uh, <laughs> he really does have it, like, his, at, even at his age which I guess is somewhere between the mid and late 70s. He's got a very strong voice. Like, it's, it might have been uh, a little innocent of key on occasion, as Bob Dylan often is, but, like, it didn't sound weak or raspy. I was just like, wow, all the fun that people make of Bob Dylan. I think he's got a really strong voice. And it was a good reminder. It was a really good reminder. I don't know if you caught that thing that Dave Grohl said when he addressed... Uh, who was it? I think he, he was the keynote speaker at South by Southwest a couple of years ago. And he was like, imagine if Bob Dylan had auditioned for The Voice or American Idol. No, you're pitchy, you're a little nasal. No, he wouldn't have made it past the first round. And we would have been denied the lifetime of great art from one people, one person that so many of us love so much and uh yeah no seeing bob dylan was a good and interesting lesson if you've got a voice if you've got something to say say it oftentimes it will find an audience leave the stimulation
1: to the professionals
2: everyone is so smart
1: kbrc more stimulating talk radio Something happening here. And you should know what it is. (laughs) The dumbing up of America. Now, more AD on the radio.
2: All right, Funkhauser, let's do a little bit more news and then we'll discuss exactly what's going on with Kate Winslet and Courtney Love and Harvey Ooh,
3: Weinstein. Okay. Uh, the nominations for this year's American Music Awards were announced
2: yesterday. Hmm. Or as it's also known, the award show that only exists to make the Grammys seem like they don't suck quite as bad. <laughs> uh,
3: go on. Uh, Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones turns 75
2: today. Uh, meanwhile, his views on freedom and freedom of speech turned 500. Uh, his his party, BYOB, bring your own Botox. That guy absolutely can't win. It's an interesting one because he was the guy who said, like, my players will stand for the anthem. But then he was also the guy who, before the anthem, went out, took a knee with all of his players and uh, linked arms. And it's uh, like I feel – I actually kind of feel bad for that guy. I Like, I mean, as <laughs> – look – Jerry Jones uh, occupies almost none of the moral high ground, like zip, zing, nada. Uh, But he did kind of come up with a bit of a solution where, before the anthem, in a show of unity, he knelt with all of his players at that one game. And then everybody had to stand for the anthem. He was like, if you play for the Cowboys, you're going to stand for the anthem. But we also have free speech and unity in this country. So, we'll do that and he just he couldn't win he could not win people that were fans of free speech said uh you can't force your players to stand during the anthem and people that were fans of the anthem said it's still disrespectful even though you didn't do it during the anthem it's just god there's no pleasing anyone in this day and age And i actually kind of felt bad for jerry jones because he kind of tried to come up with a solution that would make everybody happy and uh now, maybe if it wasn't Jerry Jones. Like I said, this is a guy who, historically speaking, if you know anything about the Cowboys and if you know anything about Jerry Jones, historically speaking, you know this guy is uh, not exactly who you look to when you're looking for a moral compass and your moral true north. So, perhaps it was the source that made people displeased with his idea of what a solution would be.
3: All right, what else, Funkhauser? All right, mark this date on your calendar, October 21st, because... Every Arby's in America is going to
2: serve venison sandwiches for oh, one yeah, day only. So Arby's has, has, I guess, for the last year or so been huh. experimenting with a venison sandwich, but only in places, only in parts of the country where venison is a little bit more of a common thing to eat. Have you ever eaten venison, Funkhauser? No, I don't think so. Oh, man. Neither have I. I <laughs> like, know, right? So like whenever I talk to friends of mine that are are hunters and it's interesting we have this conversation a lot like there's there's so many people that are against hunting that are a bit tree huggy but not tree huggy enough to stop eating meat like you know people are like oh I'm going to buy my chicken from I'm going to buy my my chicken free range and I'm going to buy this cruelty free meat and all but you know still go ugh I don't know how hunters could do what they do my my friends that are hunters are probably the most conscientious people i've ever met when it comes to consuming animal flesh they use it all because they use it all like our friend randall who's been on the show a million times randall i don't know if you knew this but before randall was uh in well it was i think three years ago um it was before he was in deadpool but after he'd been in walker texas ranger and grandma's boy he had a show called uh Uh, killing and grilling. And what Randall did was it was a cross between a hunting show and a cooking show. If you ever get a chance to have Randall cook for you, Funkhauser, you say, yes, he makes some of the best food I've ever had in my (laughs) life. This is how we met. I was like backstage at some rock show and he was hanging out with some band who had him come by and cook it up for him. And I like, I hadn't eaten all day and I just... I catch this waft on the breeze of like something that smells freaking delicious. And, uh, I was like, what you got over there? That seemed pretty good. And they're like, Oh man, eat up. And they handed me a plate of what was straight up the best food I've ever had ever. And it's stuff that they had, they'd hunted and they'd killed and they'd cleaned themselves. And, that's one very interesting thing about hunters. I find that 9 times out of 10 they're so much more conscientious about where their meat came from than someone who pretends to occupy the moral high ground in this situation but still gets it in a plastic package at the grocery store. Which I do. I'm not in any way shape or form casting aspersions on shopping for meat at the grocery store, but I just find that these are guys these are guys that are so much more conscientious and respectful of where their food came from. And they never, ever would hunt what they weren't going to eat all of. And I think when I talk to folks like that about venison meat, and never having had one, they're like, seriously, really? Because a lot of these people that go out and hunt deer they they bring them home and uh, they have them butchered and then like large chunks of venison go into the freezer and they eat them eat them throughout the course of the year so when i've been in the midwest or when i've been in places in texas where people hunt a lot and uh and say i've never had venison meat they look at me like i'm from another planet but i'm actually kind of uh interested to try venison sandwiches one day only you say right october 21st one day only Mm. Mm. October twenty first, every Arby's in America will serve venison sandwiches. What do you think it's going to cost? Probably a, huh. probably not more than a couple of bucks. Oh, uh. <laughs> uh, and you know what, Funkhausen, uh-huh, that really uh-huh. isn't very much dough. No. Yes. No. Yeah, that just one more? You're welcome. Uh, no. no. <laughs> That's I, I, it. Okay. I think if you want any more information on that one, you can read it in today's issue of news that will piss off your vegan friends daily. Uh-huh. Um, go on. Uh,
3: Applebee's is serving dollar margaritas during the month of October.
2: Yeah. 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 Uh, if this affects your plans. <laughs> <laughs> It might be a bit of a stunning indictment on
3: the state of your life. Um, I'll tell you, the airports are going to be, like, a little bit more lit,
2: I think, during October. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess, like, the vast... Yeah. I'm trying to think of the last time I actually saw an Applebee's in the wild, you know, where I've been walking around looking for a place to eat. There used to be one up, uh, there used to be an outlet mall in upstate New York that I used to hit up every once in a while. I was with this girl and she liked to go outlet shopping and I had no interest in it, but like my reward for myself would be I would eat an Applebee's sampler plate afterwards. (laughs) And the sampler plate, I I think I I could eat one of those. I don't know. I don't know. All those like restaurants though, do you find as you get older, Funkhauser, you taste the amount of salt that they use and it's off the charts? Yeah, I, I get their tricks now that I know how to cook. I see how they right. made it quote-unquote tasty. You know you know what um, really kind of alerted me to the amount of sodium and extra salt is in food at, at most restaurants was my father. When my father lived with me and I uh, was dealing with congestive heart failure, what you got to do in those situations is you purge the house of salt. Um, because if you've got congestive heart failure, anything that makes you hold on to any kind of any kind of moisture is, is a very bad thing. Salt will make you do that. So for about a year while my dad was living with me, there was no salt on anything. Everything was low sodium and, uh, there was no additional salt put on any food. And I remember when my father, when my father moved away, I was like, okay, I'm getting some fast food. I like, I don't even remember what restaurant it was, but I went and got a fast food burger and I had to spit it out. Like I couldn't, eat like it tasted like I got a mouthful of ocean water. You know, having been without the additional sodium for a year, it just like like I said, it tasted like I'd gone underwater in the ocean and gotten a mouthful of brine and it was disgusting. Like I couldn't hack it. And uh ever since then I, I've noticed just how much just how much places maybe like Applebee's maybe not, to be fair, I haven't eaten there since this happened, but they rely on so much salt and it's uh it's crazy. Crazy, crazy amount of that stuff that we consume and don't even think about.
3: What else? Uh, San Francisco tops the list of the best U.S. cities
2: for trick-or-treating. Mm. That would uh, change if residents pass out 49ers tickets. <laughs> what else? Uh, the world's first sex doll
3: brothel. Uh, the oh, world's I heard first about sex this, doll yeah. The world's first sex doll brothel says it's being bombarded with
2: perverted requests. Oh. Wait, wait, a brothel where you can pay to get busy with sex dolls is being bombarded with perverted requests? Mm. You know, the word duh (laughs) was invented (laughs) for just such an occasion. Uh, How much time
3: do we have left? Uh, A good three, a hard three. Okay, all right. Uh, Sweden may become the first nation to go cash free.
2: Oh, man. All you doomsday preppers out there, prep a little bit harder because I think in certain sections of the Bible, based on some interpretations, one of the things that signals the coming of the apocalypse and the end of days is a cashless society. You you ever heard this, Fonkhauser? Sounds like Mm. folklore. No, no. It's like... People think that the end of days will be one of the precursors to it is a cashless society. And, and it's interesting. It's interesting. The more like every financial transaction has to do with like a click on my phone where you pay someone by PayPal or you transfer money through an app or something like that. The more money becomes this vague idea as opposed to this piece of metal or paper that I hold in my hand, the more of a vague concept money becomes. The convenience level is through the roof, but it also makes me think money's not real. Money's not a thing. Money's an idea. Which begs the question, does it really matter if I don't get up and go to work today? (laughs) Probably not. Depends on who you ask. Mm -hmm. So it's becoming more and more apparent that everybody knew something was up with Harvey Weinstein. Courtney Love... Called him out for it way back in 2005. Courtney was part of Comedy Central's Rose to Pamela Anderson. On the red carpet, she was asked if she had any advice for, quote, a young girl moving to Hollywood. On the red carpet. This wasn't part of a script or anything. And she replied, quote, if Harvey Weinstein invites you to a private party in the Four Seasons, don't go. And there's a video over at TMZ. After the video surfaced, Courtney tweeted that she wasn't one of Harvey's victims. But the comment got her banned from her talent agency, CAA. She said, although I wasn't one of his victims, I was eternally banned by CAA for speaking out against Harvey Weinstein and rape. Meanwhile, Kate Winslet called Harvey out back in 2008 by not calling him out. That was the year that she won the Oscar for The Reader, which was produced by the Weinstein Company. And she specifically did not thank Harvey. And now she says that was intentional. She said, quote, If people aren't well behaved, why would I thank him? The fact that I'm never going to have to deal with Harvey Weinstein again, as long as I live, is one of the best things that's ever happened. And I'm sure the feeling is universal. So it's an interesting one, right? It's an interesting one how this has become... one of those instances where people go, "Well, you knew about it for so long, why didn't you why didn't you say something? Why didn't you bring it up?" And look, we've discussed all the reasons why people get away with stuff like this for so long. We discussed the fact that people are scared to split up because people are scared to speak up because a guy like Harvey has power and control over your career, your life, your livelihood. But now The dam has burst, the floodgates are open, and people are speaking up left, right, and center. And I hope we learn something from this tale of predatory people in positions of power taking advantage of other folks. It wasn't okay in Hollywood, and it's not okay in your world, in your daily life. And maybe you've seen something like this, maybe you haven't. But those who would speak out, it is our job to support them and make a change in this world.
0: As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.